Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mutcher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we'll be visiting with Brother Columba Thomas about the book, The Art of Dying. But before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the Bishop's mind. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. And we make our way into the month of November, and not oh. only lifting up uh, the saints who've uh, mm-hmm. made their final passage, but uh, conscious of those souls who are completing the journey and uh, mm-hmm. our own awareness. And so looking forward to talking with Brother Columba Thomas about this book that uh, kind of holds up, uh, focuses our hearts and attention and way that's uh, very beautiful. Last Saturday was kind of a trifecta of uh, opportunities to, to celebrate with people. The women's conference that, that took place and oh, uh, right. those, those yes. uh, holy women. Uh, then also uh, actually celebrated a wedding on, on Saturday and followed by a, a mass at the St. Ambrose Cathedral where we blessed and lifted up uh, uh, the couples who have been married signature weddings of 25, right. 30, yes. 40, or, or beyond, 50 and 60 years. Uh-huh. So I think we just need to celebrate the, the sacrament in an era when People are not always automatically disposed to get married in the church and to realize that the grace of fidelity, uh, the, the the ability to, to share life and uh, and the exclusiveness that's there. And so I think how our families are rooted in the great love that husbands and wives have for each other. Our uh, local church and our dioceses in Iowa, the Iowa Catholic Conference, the four bishops, Bishop mm-hmm. Nicholas, Archbishop Jekylls, Bishop Zinkula, we gathered in the latter weeks of October with Tom Chapman, our executive director, kind of looking ahead to the legislature. I know we've been kind of looking at the redistricting in the special session as a particular focus and some resolution there, finally, uh, perhaps to some people's pleasure and others not uh, for those who are paying attention. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the priorities when they actually will go into regular session and things that we're looking to accent, obviously Catholic education and how we might uh, you know, continue to make uh, possible for families to, to have that option available to them through education savings accounts to continue to enhance the school tuition organizations. But uh, other initiatives, including those that would make health care more readily available and affordable for all Iowans, mental health care, we know is ever more mm-hmm. uh, necessary and assisted uh, through uh, you know the pandemic and the great stresses, as well as palliative care. And I think uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Columba Thomas, who is our next mm-hmm. guest, the Dominican uh, brother, he's going to kind of maybe touch on that for, mm-hmm. for better or worse in a particular way. Uh, we know that we're still in the interim period for the state constitutional amendment to clarify that the Iowa Constitution does not grant a right to an abortion. That will be uh, come up in the legislature again next year. But in the interim, ensuring alternatives to abortion by funding resources for pregnant mothers, babies, and families, not only at the time of that decision, when am I going to carry this pregnancy to term, but to walk and accompany, as Pope mm-hmm. Francis calls us to be, to be a church with in, in these ways. Uh, continuing, you know, as we have with the Afghani families who've come to us and Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Des Moines assistance for the resettlement of refugees, uh, to, to continue to try and protect the economic and physical security of workers, uh, ensuring that uh, people have access to affordable housing, and addressing the food insecurity, which you know touches not only adults, but children, obviously, in, in a very way. And then as we look at you know, uh, administering justice, but uh, that possibility of rehabilitation of life for people uh, to assist persons re-entering the community from incarceration and possibly creating a 
life sentence review committee, uh, the legislation that maybe would admit that possibility that someone might uh, have their life sentence commuted. And again, the restore restoration of uh, voting rights to those who convicted of felonies and have served their their debt to society in that way so that we continue to ease the burden on poor people promote development and use of alternative renewable and clean energy resources there once again is kind of restating you know those are positive proposals that we might uh, look forward uh, continuing to authorize state and local police to conduct uh, additional enforcement of federal immigration laws is not something that we see as a, as a needed feature right now. And uh, the movement toward assisted suicide continues to surface and gain traction, unfortunately, even within hospice movements. And so the opposition to legalization of assisted suicide and euthanasia, we know many of our Western states, uh, that's something that's already enacted kind of a, a perversion of, of the whole uh, vocation of healthcare work, and that might be there. So those are some things on our plate, but looking forward to, to engagement with our author. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Make It Personal, Bishop Johnson. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now provided in part by Permar Security, providing security solutions for homes and businesses since 1953. Permar Security is a Catholic-owned family business supplying security systems, access control systems, video surveillance, fire alarm systems, and video doorbells. All alarm systems are monitored out of their monitoring center located in the state of Iowa. Permar Security, 515-244-5660, permarsecurity.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by CTO. What great news for donors to the Catholic Tuition Organization. You now receive 75%. Yes, 75% of your donation back in Iowa tax credits beginning January 1st of this year. Your support has helped thousands of students attend our Catholic schools. Best gift ever. Online, ctoiowa.org. At CTO, the bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Welcome back. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Our guest today is Brother Columba Thomas to talk about the book, The Art of Dying. Brother Columba is a physician specializing in internal medicine. He graduated from Yale in 2012 with distinction, and his publications have appeared in a variety of medical journals. So good morning, Dr. Thomas, or as we now maybe in religious life, Brother Columba, however you'd like to be referred to, but uh, fascinated with you, you know, not only the, the work that we're going to get into here in a moment, uh, but uh, just your own vocational unfolding here as a native Midwesterner, uh, the call to medicine, and obviously achieving at a very uh, high level of of, of competency and performance and, uh, you know, a, a mentor among peers, perhaps even, but then the, the, the call to religious life. Can you speak about this from the vocational lens? Sure. Good morning, Bishop Johnson. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so I grew up in Ohio uh, near Cincinnati, and so I am a fellow Midwesterner, and I can say that Ohio still feels like home to me. Uh, but growing up, my parents set a very good example uh, to us. I have an older brother and a younger sister as well. We went to Mass every Sunday and prayed together, and they sent us to Catholic schools through high school, which I think was just really helpful for having constant exposure to the faith as I was growing up. And I began to discern a calling to the priesthood at a fairly early age, um, and I think also to religious life, even though I didn't quite understand what that meant at the time. But I was a little too nervous to talk about it with anyone, and I, I kept it with me for years and allowed God to strengthen me over that time and show me the way. 
And my discernment to become a Dominican religious specifically came much later in God's time. Uh, but I think that those early years in which um, I had the support of, of a Catholic family and going to Mass regularly and learning about the faith was just so helpful for me throughout my life. And so I very much appreciate that. Uh, fascinating. And, you know, of course, uh, got to toot the horn for all things Iowa in here, but Archbishop Schnur of Cincinnati, obviously a native of the Sioux City Diocese here in Iowa, Northwest Iowa. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, kind of the painful process there is they realign parishes and everything else. But your family was a, truly a domestic church then, the, the faith flourished. Would they yes, have known yeah. that? Would they have known this tug on your heartstrings of thinking about priesthood, or would you be more open about medicine? Yeah, I think it was on their minds. Um, from from an earlier time, but I did speak with them about it when I was in college. And and I have a cousin who's a diocesan priest as well, and I spoke with him, and I talked about kind of my own personal discernment and my own sort of thoughts about how this would unfold. And I was certainly thinking about religious life but I didn't have enough of a familiarity, really, I think, with uh, with religious life at that time to have a lot of specific thoughts. Um, and so they were very supportive of me and encouraged me to continue praying about it and to, to, to think about the possibilities. And during that time in college, I also was very busy preparing for applying to medical schools. And so I sort of I came across this crossroads in which I needed to decide should I take time off to think more about this vocational discernment, or should I keep moving forward with applying to medical school? And to be honest, I really do think of my training as a physician as part of my vocation. I, I felt very strongly called to that as well. And so really what ended up happening is I kept moving forward and continued being faithful to this thought of uh, a potential vocation to the priesthood, but things just worked out so beautifully with applying to medical schools and with the potential that became apparent there. And so I just sort of moved forward and, and ended up getting accepted into medical school and moved out oh. to Connecticut and just continued on that path confident that God was going to show me the way, even though I didn't know exactly how it was going to come together. <laughs> and to make a long story short, I never would have expected to, to grow in my faith, I suppose, in medical school, because it's just so busy and so focused on, on learning important things for the practice of medicine. But I just came across this beautiful church in the middle of campus um, in New Haven, St. Mary's, which is a Dominican parish. And I was immediately drawn into the liturgies there, the beautiful music, especially the chanting, I would say, and then also just the very effective, powerful preaching that stayed with me and challenged me to spend more time reading spiritual works and uh, studying scripture and, and so on. And so I actually did grow during that time in medical school and Towards the end of my my years in medical school, I became more and more certain that God was calling me to become a Dominican, and and I became more involved in my parish there, St. Mary's, 
and um, had a greater desire to be involved with with the church as a whole. I, I think you and point to a so great truth. Just kind of came together. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Brother Columbo. I just I think mm-hmm. you point to a great truth that you know we want to assure young people that God is is drawing our hearts. He's not compelling us, and He's so patient uh, and That's awakening right, yes. us through the various passions and leanings that you have to the healing arts and the sense that uh, surely the late uh, Dr. Edmund Pellegrino, kind of the grandfather of medical ethics, and and someone like mm-hmm. Dr. Uh, Daniel Solmacy, who's written as well about this, this sense of vocation and how it integrates with faith. Uh, why, you know, again, we, we need to get to the book here eventually uh, because it's a goldmine of material. But, but uh, sure. why the Dominican charism in particular and what's it like? having one that you, you know, well-formed in a profession. And, you know, the Dominicans are doing quite well in St. Joseph province, I understand, with vocations. So you have men mm-hmm. of all ages. And what's this like kind of going back to school and being, you know, becoming accented over the being and the doing, although I understand you still keep your hand in with medical practice. That's right. So I think the Dominicans are uniquely positioned uh, to make an impact in the world today and I think it's in large part because of the, the the clarity and the strength of their intellectual tradition. So we certainly uphold St. Thomas Aquinas with the Church as a great figure in Catholic theology and someone who was able to synthesize many centuries of theological discourse on very important topics and to present it in a just very coherent whole. And so we find that very helpful as as a basis. And our whole curriculum is kind of structured around that tradition, but also with a look to other currents of thought in the church as well. And so I think that having that clarity allows us to uh, boldly proclaim the gospel in a, in a fairly challenging time. And also, I think it's a strong point in the Dominican tradition to have a very careful attention to the liturgy and the sacraments as well. And I think I think of us very much as safeguarders of the sacraments. And I think that principle comes across clearly in this in this work, this this old work, the Ars Moriendi that I translated. So we're turning to the work here. And again, just even, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, the Dominican House of Studies is very helpful with us with, you know, medically safe protocols related to, to parish liturgies and celebration sacraments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the art of dying, uh, Ars Moriendi, uh, the, you know, not some hidden work that was rescued from the burning Notre Dame Cathedral that had been hermetically sealed for centuries, but you have kind of brought to, brought it to life again by offering us a fresh translation uh, in a month when we we're all to be kind of memento mori, reflecting on death and our own mortality, mm-hmm. so that God uh, can can ever more purify us and perfect us. Tell us about the work and its its uh, DNA lines. Sure. So this work arose in the early 15th century, so the late Middle Ages, in a time when the Church was really looking for ways of reaching the general faithful. Um, There were problems with illness. Uh, The bubonic plague was kind of raging at that time and resulted in a lot of deaths. And it was just becoming harder and harder for people to have access to priests and the sacraments, and also to learn the basics of the faith. So the idea of this, and it was very much encouraged by the Church at the time, including at the Council of Constance in the early 15th century, um, the idea was to provide a work that could be distributed throughout Europe and really geared towards the general faithful. 
uh, those who really needed help and couldn't find it in any other way. And one of the really interesting things about this period of time is that more and more people were becoming literate. And so it was possible to distribute books in the vernacular languages, so like French, Spanish, German, and for people to actually be able to have access to them and to use them. Which, and so that was a great opportunity, and, and many manuscripts were copied and distributed throughout Europe. And the idea with this particular work, the Ars Moriendi, um, is that it was basically conveying the basics of the faith and outlining the resources available to people through the church to help them prepare for death. And one of the points that comes up in this that I find fascinating is that it's not just commended to those who are seriously ill and dying, but it's encouraged uh, everyone is encouraged to read this book and to, to reflect upon the reality of their own eventual death um, and to start preparing. I mean, really, it's it's central to the Christian life to to think about how Christ has conquered death and how we are to follow him uh, into eternal life. And th there are so many resources available to us through the church in order to do that. And so the, I think the work spells that out very clearly and can be a really helpful guide to people today to just kind of give them a sense of what's available, what's really crucially important, and how to prepare. So, uh, splendidly said, and, you know, again, the distribution of a, of a work in the vernacular during a time that preceded the Reformation, obviously continued through that mm -hmm. time in the 16th century, but said so this was something already that the Catholic Church was uh, trying to to make available and to to catechize people, but to, to the pastoral care that's uh, present to them, yeah. um, you know, in a time when sacraments were not readily available. And again, we felt that during the pandemic, that the access to, mm -hmm. to clergy, to anoint, to hear confessions and offer the Eucharist, which is truly the last sacrament, as you know, the Viaticum. Uh, to, to receive that mm -hmm. gift of Jesus indwelling, uh, carrying us over to the heavenly banquet table. Uh, you make a, a, a comment at, in an early portion of the book that as much as we appreciate all that's unfolded in our deeper understanding of palliative care, uh, the need to kind of do, uh, you know, healthcare directives and all it's uh, about that. Th mm -hmm. Those that tendency in medicine can maybe sometimes uh, eclipse, you know, what might be the, the more ultimate uh, considerations for our spiritual welfare. That's right. So one of the major themes that comes across in this work that I think is very helpful today as well is the importance of prioritizing the health of the soul over the health of the body, because we're talking about eternal salvation here. It really is a matter of life or death as we move on to the next life. Um, and so while I think that there are so many good and promising advances in healthcare, and I think we're on the right track in learning how to scale things back and focus on symptom control and just the quality of the time that people have left, as they're dying, there's also this temptation to just forget completely about the religious element or the, the good of the soul and to be focusing on these things uh, like symptom management. I think it's, it, all of these things are important, but we need to keep the proper perspective. Um, and so I think sometimes it's important to have that guidance. I just heard a story actually from a woman who, whose husband was in the ICU with COVID 
and she's a very devout Catholic and goes to mass every day. But she actually was so caught up in the healthcare scene and her concerns about the medical treatments that she forgot to call in a priest and to have the sacraments brought to her husband. And she, it was only in reading this book afterwards that she realized how far off track she had gotten, really, and thinking about how to advocate for her husband. And she felt very bad about that, but she also realized how important it is to have something like a, a, a reference point um, to, to help people to sort of stay on track in a very complicated, difficult time, and to, to just realize the, the resources from the church that are available to them. Uh, we're, we're grateful to the National Catholic Bioethics Center for publishing the book. Uh, and mm -hmm. for our listeners in the Spirit Catholic Radio Network and Iowa Catholic Radio in the Midwest, Iowa, Nebraska, and beyond, uh, it's not just text. There are many, many vivid images. I don't know about you, Kelly, but that captured my yeah, imagination, very... you know, and very <laughs> striking. And, and, yes. and, and yet not a kind of dualism, but as we move into what are the temptations that the evil one poses to people who are vulnerable and approaching, you know, their, their earthly uh, demise, the, 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 the evil spirit, and then yet the good spirit, the Holy Spirit and the angels who want to assist us in that way. Can, and so it's laden with mm -hmm. woodcuts throughout, right. which are worth pondering. I think spiritual Lots meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> just to comment, was that uh, something that was a non-negotiable for you, Brother Colm? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so, uh, Bishop Johnson. When I was working with the National Catholic Bioethics Center, uh, we were particularly interested in the way that this work joins together text and images. And the images are really meant to represent a lot of the contents of the text. And the way it's designed is that there's an image on one side and text on the opposite side, and they match each other. And back in the 15th century, when not everybody was literate, um, it was actually much more important for images to be available so that for those who couldn't read, they could at least benefit from looking at the images. Think about the Gothic cathedrals, for example, Definitely. and the idea with that, that it's teaching people about the faith. Well, we're coming, um, up, so we're we coming really up on wanted... the break. I hate to interrupt you, Brother Columbo. I hope you'll stay with us. We were uh, going to get more into the nature of those temptations and uh, sure. much more here as we'll take a break. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Jones on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarah strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsara.org, join S-E-R-R-A.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now provided in part by Permar Security, providing security solutions for homes and businesses since 1953. Permar Security is a Catholic-owned family business supplying security systems, access control systems, video surveillance, fire alarm systems, and video doorbells. All alarm systems are monitored out of their monitoring center located in the state of Iowa. Permar Security, 515-244-5660, permarsecurity.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We're back with Brother Columba Thomas to talk about the book, The Art of Dying. And again, we mentioned the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Uh, this is not something we're going to be able to find on our favorite online bookseller, are we, Brother Columba? 
That's right, Bishop Johnson. So we are selling this exclusively through the NCBC website, and you can find that at ncbcenter.org. It's a tremendous resource. That website has lots of good information about bioethics, and they also offer a free consultation service, by the way. But please do go to that website and check out this book and all the other great materials that are available there. Well, Joseph Meany, the NCBC uh, president, will appreciate that. Now, what <laughs> what is it that it, the, what, it's a kind of spiritual warfare almost going on? that uh, people need to be attuned to. That's right. So basically, the, the centerpiece of this work is a series of temptations, or you could call them interior struggles, that, that people tend to face as the end approaches, as well as helpful and inspiring responses uh, to those. And yes, the, the devil does make an appearance in this book, as well as flanks of angels. Um, but basically, the idea is that um, spiritual warfare is real, and people do face temptations um, as, as death approaches, and the church recognizes that. And we have such tremendous resources to overcome that, but it's helpful to kind of think through some of the, the main uh, points of vulnerability that people can have as they face death. So the, the temptations and inspirations are really structured in terms of vices and virtues. I think that's the easiest way to think about it. Um, so basically, faith, hope, and love are central to our salvation because they're all about knowing and loving God, our relationship with God. And so as the text points out, the devil realizes that and tries to tempt people basically to turn against those three things. So the first three temptations are to turn against faith, hope, and love, basically, um, to sort of reject the truth of the faith, to despair that you're not going to be saved, that perhaps sins you've committed in the past are unforgivable, and to just reject God's love outright. And so the angel uh, responds in each of these sections with quotes from Scripture and some of the wisdom from the, the Church Fathers, and also just common sense advice to help people think through this and be assured of, of their salvation in God's grace. Um, and then the last two temptations And, and just to interject are, there, that, that really, and, and you supplement this in the notes with your own pastoral counsel to people, and I think it can help family members as they relate to their own beloved who might be dying, uh, mm -hmm. but it's eminently reasonable. This isn't some exotic thing, but it's reminding us of those deep down things that we need to know and that we mm -hmm. might lose sight of, and the Holy Spirit wants to help us to remember anamnesis at the moment. So. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and then the last two temptations are to greed and pride, basically, which are the most basic uh, vices that can throw us off track. And so, uh, again, the angel brings in these different resources and just really straightforward advice to help us think about that and to overcome that in God's grace. So that's really the centerpiece of, of the Ars Moriendi. And then for the introduction and conclusion sections, there's a lot of practical advice and just giving people a sense of the importance of this as well. Yeah. And I noted that, you know, the, the uh, pride and avarice or greed, that you know, pride, perhaps for people who've lived a, a, a life of faith, have practiced their faith, that the, the, the kind of smugness or presumption that gets in there, yeah, I've got this, you know, I've, I've done it all right. And that for those who don't, then again, turning to earthly goods. And it's a uh, complex Complemented at the end in the appendix with all the prayers and some beautiful new prayers and, of course, the Divine Mercy Chaplet and the Rosary for those who may not be as familiar, but it's just a handy companion. And conscious of those who might be passing from us, grateful for your presence with us, Brother Columba Thomas. Again, the book, The Art of Dying, a new annotated translation, but the prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
O Immaculate and Ever-Blessed Virgin Mary, our help in every trial and time of need, sweetly come to our aid and show to your servants, our brothers and sisters who are dying, your gracious countenance in their final hours. Dispel all enemies by the power of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and by his holy cross, free him from every trial of body and soul, so that he or she may utter praises to the Lord God for all eternity. Amen. Amen, Brother Columbus Thomas, Dr. Thomas. Uh, all the best to you in your studies and practice. You will be a, uh, you know, already are a powerful witness and a source of balm and compassion for all God's people, a healer of body and soul. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Bishop Johnson. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.